morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Amen. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. We're continuing with a series that we've been uh, ministering on for the last couple of weeks. We started it just before the Halloween uh, season, and uh, we labeled it our series. We called it Ghost Stories. And in Ghost Stories, we talked about just the hauntings of the things that come in really begin to mess with their lives. We said that there are the hauntings of fear and worry that just begins to mess with us. And we saw that Jesus didn't come for us to have a spirit of fear, but one of power of love and soundness of mind. We said that last week we looked at the subject of forgiveness and, and, and we realized that unforgiveness is really a matter of those hauntings or those ghost stories that just kind of creep back into our lives and remind us of the things that happened. And so really it's the foundation or the root of it, I should say, is fear, and we purpose to try to control circumstances and situations because we choose not to forgive, and therefore I will not let you do that to me again. But once again, God wants us to be free. Can you say amen? I want to be free, and I want to let God be God in my life and experience the wholeness and the soundness that God has for me. And so today we're going to look at the subject of shame. The subject of shame, because again, that begins to really affect so many of us in this life that we live, and things that uh, people have said, things that we have said about ourselves. We, we made the statement that words are so significant, and they hold so much weight. And so we're going to dive into this subject of shame, and the fact that there is a haunting of shame in our life, but God came to make us free. Jesus came that we might be free, and knowing the truth of his love, again, does set us free. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says this. It says that we can come boldly into the presence of God to obtain mercy in time of need. See, that's the desire in the heart of God is that we would come boldly into his presence. You know, I, I don't know if you're like I am, but I love it when my children are so... Uh, so eager to come and spend time with me. You know, this morning I got up and, and I was sitting on the couch and I was going over my notes and I was spending some time in prayer and drinking my coffee. And uh, because the schedule got out, out of sorts because of the uh, falling back, everybody got up early. Well, my son was the first one that got up early. And so he comes in and he sits over on the couch for a little bit and then he gets his blanket and he comes over and he crawls right up in my lap as I'm praying. And that just blesses me. Because, again, he comes in this place of boldness, if you will, to think, that's my dad. I can just crawl up in my daddy's lap, even though he's praying. I know that I'm not going to disrupt him. He's drinking his coffee, looking at his notes. But I know that I've got a place just to come sit on his lap. Amen? And so that's the way God desires for us. He says, come boldly into my presence. Come crawl up on my lap to obtain mercy in time of need. He says, come and obtain mercy. Here's what the word mercy means. It means kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. 
Amen. He says, I desire that you come and experience my goodwill towards you when you feel miserable and afflicted. Well, if you've ever experienced shame in your life or just those things that seem to haunt you, it can cause you to be miserable, can it? It just seems like it dogs you. It just seems like it afflicts you. And, and, and God says, I want to join with you and help you and give you mercy. Amen. And so when it comes to this area of shame, why is it miserable? Because once again, it's something that attaches itself to us as to how we see us. Maybe you look at yourself when you see yourself in the mirror and you think you're an orphan. Or you think you look, at, you look in the mirror and you think of yourself as being a divorcee. Or I'm depressed, I'm angry, I'm grumpy, I'm mean, I'm temperamental, I'm a failure, I'm a cheater, I'm a liar, I'm a victim, I'm ugly, I'm misused, I'm abused, I'm unworthy. And so on and so forth as we begin to look in the mirror and begin to identify ourselves in such a way that shame attaches itself to us. And doesn't it sound so wonderful to think of that I could come boldly into the presence of God? Oh, God, I want to come into your presence. I want to climb up on your lap. I want to ex experience that mercy because, God, I'm really miserable right now. I'm feeling the affliction of all this stuff that I see myself and what people have said about me and life experiences have defined me as. And it sounds wonderful to come boldly into the presence of God, but there is this hauntingness of shame that once again the world or others have said about me and have defined me rather than the Word of God. We allow all this stuff these things, the person that I identify with in the mirror, I allow that to uh, 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 define me rather than what the Word of God says about me. And because of that, that haunting keeps me from coming into God's presence. Amen? You know, uh, my daughter, this was just a matter of a few weeks ago or maybe about a week ago. Uh, I got on to her about something. And so, you know, just she's getting into those preteen years, and so she just got all huffy and puffy, you know. And so she gets her, her, her notebook out. She really animated about it, and she starts writing in it. And she's making sure that I'm seeing that she's writing in it, you know. And so she closes it up, and so we get ready for dinner, and we ate dinner. And I came up to her afterwards. I said, let me see your journal. She goes, no, I don't want you to see it, Dad. And so I said, I want to see what you had to write in there. She goes, well, I didn't mean it, Dad. <laughs> and so as I open it up and read it, she said some pretty mean things about her dad. She's like, you know, I wish he would just be quiet and just leave me alone. Sometimes I just hate the way he treats me. I just wish he would take a trip for about a month, man. Just <laughs> Oh, it's funny. I think maybe she's been talking to her mom a little bit, you know. <laughs> ah, no, my wife loves me. She just, she can't get away from me. I mean, she's like saran wrap. I mean, she just, you know. <laughs> anyways, hey, you, that, one, that was supposed to be funny. You didn't laugh at that one. But anyways, I read her journal, and I said to her, I said, okay. I said, if, if that's what you want, you just want me to, to be gone for a month? I said, so for the next month, I said, you know, we're just going to be roommates. I said, I won't be dad. I said, we'll just, you know, whatever. And so I ended up leaving the house. When I left the house, she came over and says, well, bye, dad. I said, hey, listen, I ain't saying goodbye to you. I said, 
you know, this is, we're taking a break. And she said, what, Dad? And so then she follows me outside. I said, listen, don't follow me. I said, you know, we're taking a break. I said, we're just roommates. And so came back later that night, and she said something. I still kind of giving her the, the cold shoulder. Well, finally, I'm over on the couch. Well, she climbs up on top of me and just starts cuddling with me. So, oh, Dad, you know I didn't mean it. Dad, I just... Well, what was it? She knew that my heart towards her, even though she said some hateful things, she knew that the true heart of her father would embrace her, even in the midst of some of the mean stuff she said, right? But we don't oftentimes look at God that way. We look at what has happened. We look at the things that define us, the things that I've done, the things that people have said, and think that I don't qualify to come into the presence of God boldly to obtain His help and His mercy. And God just wants us to climb up on His lap. Amen? And so again, we begin to look in the mirror and allow all those things to define us rather than the Word of God which defines us. Now, now, just to kind of give you an example. Now, uh, please hear me in the right way. You know, there are individuals that have, have uh, struggled with addictions in life, right? And, and there's the AA program. And, and thank God for the 12-step program. I mean, it's very biblically based in a lot, of, a lot of ways, you know. People have gotten help and gotten set free. But there's one particular thing that I take issue with when it comes to a child of God. Because the Bible says that as a child of God, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It says that we can come boldly into the presence of God to obtain His mercy. But whenever you go to an AA meeting, one of the things that they do, they'll stand up and they'll say, Hi, my name is Tony. And you all say, Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. I'm an alcoholic. Or I'm an addict. Right? So what am I doing? I'm identifying myself with the struggle that I've had or am having, right? I'm letting the label to define who I am. But the Bible says that if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. My flesh might have some struggles, but rather than that, I could simply say it this way. Hi, my name is Tony. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. I come boldly into my presence of my God who gives me mercy and gives me help in time of need. I'm an overcomer. I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because of what Jesus did at the cross. Amen. See, there's a difference of how I identify myself that allows me to get into the presence of God. If I identify myself with what he did, it gives me access to come boldly. But if I look at all the stuff and the things that people have said and the things that I see in the mirror, it allows me or it causes me to not come into the presence of God boldly to obtain His mercy when I generally and definitely need His help. Amen? If you recall, there was a story in the Gospels of a, of a blind beggar man. The Bible says that he heard about Jesus and he, he, he heard about Jesus coming by and he says... Jesus, he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus comes over there and he sees that he's blind. And immediately his disciples ask a question. They said, who sinned, this man or his parents? Isn't it interesting when bad things happen, we start trying to assign blame. It's your fault. You messed up. You know, when it comes to you being a divorced individual, well, if you was a better spouse, that would have never happened. 
or whatever the case might be. There is this system that tries to assign blame or tag us with something as to why it's my fault and therefore I hold on to the shame of what took place. But Jesus responds and he says, neither one of them sinned. This isn't a result of somebody doing something wrong. This is actually an opportunity for God to show off his love and his mercy right now. Amen? Amen. And so the next thing we see is that Jesus says, okay, uh, uh, you, you need to see. He's like, yeah, I want to see. I heard about you, Jesus. I want to see. And he said, okay, give me just a minute. So the man, he's blind. He can't see what's going on, but he, he's got good ears. And so Jesus says, give me just a second. He backs up, and the blind man hears this. <laughs> and the man's like, Jesus, you, you congested? You know, you got some allergies going on right now? What's up? And then you hear Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, come here. And he says, wow, that's kind of warm. What are you putting on my eyes, man? It's kind of got like a garlic smell you know is that like kind of a herbal recipe you're putting on my eyes yeah you know what I'm saying he he made mud out of his spittle and why Jesus did that I don't know but he put it on his eyes and then he says to the man he says now go wash in the pool of Siloam now upon washing he comes back seeing and being healed now notice what happens he comes back seeing, and the people that knew him the most, that saw him every day being blind and being a beggar, they begin to say, isn't this the blind beggar man? Isn't this him? So what did they do? They once again were trying to label him and assign something to him as to what he was. But now he is the healed of the Lord. He's seeing, he's leaping, he's praising God and has the ability to be a, a functional citizen that is able to take care of himself, no longer a beggar. But yet they still want to attach what he was rather than what he has become. Amen. Jesus has made us free. What you've done, what is in your past, even what maybe you struggle with currently is not your identity. You don't have to carry the shame of the struggle of what you're dealing with because Jesus said the reason that I came was not so that you had to clean yourself up, but that through me you could be free. Amen. Amen. So that man still had a choice. He still had a choice of whether to identify as the beggar man or to listen and obey what Jesus said. Because upon getting the mud in his eyes, he still had to go wash. Had he not washed, he would have stayed the same position that he was. For you and I, you and I have a choice to receive the cleansing of what Jesus came to do and say it is more than sufficient or to say, God, what you did through Jesus on the cross isn't good enough. I'm still going to carry my guilt and my shame and my pain. Amen? We've got to choose to receive that gift and say, God, I'm going to be free. I have an audience with you. I've got a new identity. Not the past. I don't have to carry the shame because that's no longer my name. Amen. My name is free. My name is chosen. My name is a child of God. 
So number one, if there was a point that you could write down, number one, when we meet Jesus, there's a new beginning. The old passes away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm no longer a blind beggar man. I'm free because of what Jesus came to do. Number two, number two, Jesus turned a victor from a victim. He's made us to be victors when there was a time that we were victims. If you remember the story over in John chapter 8, starting in verse 7, it talks about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And in being caught in the act of adultery, by law, she and the man should have both been stoned, should have been killed because of their act. And so there's a mob gathered around this woman that was caught. And they come to Jesus and they say, okay, Jesus, let's see what you got to say about this one. She was caught in the very act of adultery. And so what do you say that we should do about this woman? Because she should be stoned. And the Bible says that Jesus stooped down and just kind of started to write in the sand. And who knows, he probably started to write their own sins of the things that they were doing themselves that they began to identify with. And he says, the one that has no sin, let's cast the first stone. And the Bible says that they began to depart from the oldest to the youngest to where there was no more people that were accusing standing there. And he, he says to the woman, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. He says, neither do I. Go your way and sin no more. Go your way and sin no more. So in this moment, this woman had one of two choices. She could leave that situation, leave that encounter, that meeting with Jesus, and walk away still carrying the shame of the accusers, the labels of what she had been doing, or she could walk away being forgiven. It was a choice. She could choose to identify as to what she had been labeled as, or she could, be, she could choose to be forgiven and accept the new identity that Jesus gave her. Amen? You and I have that same choice. Because we all carry baggage, don't we? It haunts us. I mean, you think you've got it cleared out, you think you've got the closet clean, and before you know it, you start to hear the skeletons rattle again. You're thinking, well, I thought I dealt with that thing. And it's still there. Still haunting at times. But did you know Jesus, he didn't say anything about what she was doing? He said, I don't accuse you or hold you accountable. Go sin no more. See, he didn't address what she was doing. Because here's the thing, when you amplify or make issue of the sin, it just makes it easier to sin. Right? For example, I, I mean, let's just put it this way. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we, well, we have a pool, and, you know, the kids love to swim. My wife, she likes to lay out in the sun. You know, if it's not 127 degrees, it's too cold for her, you know. She just likes to lay out in this kind of sun out on the deck there, you know. But, you know, if, if, if the kids are in the pool swimming, she don't want to get wet. But if she's already been in the pool, she doesn't mind if the kids splash her, right? 
So if you're already wet, you don't mind getting wet. And so if you amplify the sin and talk about what you're doing wrong and always condemn the fault and the failure that brings you shame, then it's just like, well, I guess I've already sinned. What's a little more sin? What's, what's, what's the issue? You know, I'm, I'm already doing it. Might as well just keep on doing it because you know what? I mean, that's just that's, that's what I do. Right? But Jesus did not amplify the sin. He says, listen, I know what you did. He said, but I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Choose to be free in this moment. Amen? Amen. Each and every one of us have a choice as to whether or not we are going to walk in this freedom and this liberty that God has given us. And the devil is really good at reminding us of the ghost stories, of the sin, of the struggles that we face. He's real good at bringing, us, uh, bringing them back to us rather than living in victory. He says you, you might as well just give into it all the way because you know you're struggling with it already. Right? And so if you don't want to get wet, if you don't want sin to get splashed over on you, one of the best things to do is stop hanging around the pool where the people that are swimming in sin. Right? It's like, we're not talking about being condemning or pointing fingers. We're just saying, listen, if you truly want to be free, stop swimming at the pool or hanging around the pool where the people are. Because if you hang around them long enough, you're eventually going to get splashed on. And if you get splashed on, you think, well, dear God, I'm already wet. I might as well just jump in all the way. <laughs> right? And God says, listen, be free. Don't identify with the sin or the shame because that will determine the people that you hang around and the things that you do. Because it's a whole lot easier. Remember, he said there's those people that are miserable. Come into my presence to obtain mercy. And that mercy means to help you in that time of need when you feel miserable. Well, misery likes company, right? So therefore, man, if I'm struggling, man, I want somebody that's struggling along with me because then I don't have to feel guilty because you're struggling more than me, <laughs> right? Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? <laughs> Amen. Jesus came to set us free. And it's interesting, depending on in your Bible, if you've got a Bible that has headings in the margins of your Bibles, it's interesting that our Bibles have identified this particular story as being the woman that got caught in the act of adultery. But you realize that's not accurate? I mean, even the writers or the translators tried to entice you with some gossip. The woman that got caught in the act. Ooh, I want to read that one. What's going on with this lady, right? That's what the, look in your Bibles. If you got, it's the woman that got caught in the act of adultery. But that's not who she was. She was the woman that got set free and got pardoned and was set free from her shame because Jesus said, I don't condemn you. That's who she was. Amen. And the Bible says she went away. Now, the interesting thing is, is that it only talks about the woman. But in the Levitical law, it says both the man and the woman. If they get caught, they both get stoned to death. Where was the man? He must have been hiding. And the one thing that it tells me is that that woman had a heart to get right. That man probably continued in the same lifestyle. Because had he had a repentant heart, he could have walked away from there saying, I don't have any accusers, 
and I choose to walk free this day. Amen? He decided to go hang out at the pool again. Right? Amen. Praise God. In James chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. The word of God is a mirror. Remember I said that there are things that have been assigned to us, the shame that we carry, that we walk around feeling the weight of it and therefore feeling as though we're unworthy to come into God's presence. Why do you think that so many people don't attend church? It's because they feel as though they're being judged when they come into the house of God. It's not about being judged, but the feeling and the experience that they're feeling is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's in that conviction that God says, I want you to experience my mercy. It's not about feeling condemned. Amen? He says, the word of God. What's the most significant thing about church? The word. You know, my wife, she has a women's ministry where uh, she calls it fearless. And one of the things that she is so strategic and, and determined that when she gets together with the ladies, not only are they going to have fun, not only are they going to have fellowship, but she's going to pour her heart and pour the Word of God into women that say, I desire to not carry the shame in the past in my life's history. I choose to be fearless. And it's the Word of God that sets you free. For he that knows the truth and the truth, knowing the truth, the truth will set you free. Amen? So there's intentionality with that. It's not just, oh, here comes another preaching message. Oh, I don't want to go to that thing. All they do is preach, preach, preach. There's intentionality. It's to help you become free and not carry the past. <laughs> Amen. So it says to be hearers or don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. Because when you begin to uh, be doers of the word, you begin to observe the real you. So in other words, the Word of God begins to validate you, but also reveals the discrepancies. It becomes a spiritual mirror. Amen. You know, my wife today, she says, did you not look in the mirror today? My kid says, what's up with you? Why are you wearing a sweatshirt? I'm, I, you know, I just chose to be a little more casual today, you know, because you realize church can be religious. I don't choose to be religious. I choose to have a relationship with God, and it's not about what we wear. I just chose to feel like 25 today, okay? You don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge me. I want to be a kid at heart if I want to, all right? Again, we look in the mirror, I'm looking at most of you. Most of you looked in the mirror this morning before you came. Some of you should have took a second look, all right? I'm just saying, we, <laughs> we look in the mirror to see what's going on, right? And the mirror reveals, oh, man, I got a blemish on my face. Oh, I got toothpaste stuck to my face. Oh, I need to comb my hair a little bit more. I got some hair sticking up. And, and, and some of us guys, uh, you, you've got ear hair more in your ears than you do on the top of your head. I mean, it's just like, come on, you know, do something with that bugger. I mean, it's, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> this message which was endorsed by ice. <laughs> Amen. The word of God begins to be the mirror. It reveals and validates who we are, but it also reveals the discrepancies of how to correct and make some changes for the betterment so I don't carry the shame, but I walk in God's freedom. 
In verse 24 it says, for we observe himself, or that person that looks in the mirror, he goes away and he immediately forgets what kind of man that he was. You see, there is a deception that has crept into the church. And it's this deception that the word of God is hard. That the word of God is hard to understand. That the word of God is hard to read. And if I was to take a poll in here and ask how many of you spend quality time every week in your Bible, there would probably be a staggering response of how many people don't get into the word of God. And that's not to be critical or judgmental. It's just simply saying that the Word of God is the mirror. And if all we do is come to church and hear the Word of God, we leave each Sunday forgetting what kind of man or woman that we are. Amen. And we're free. I said we're free. Amen. The Word of God begins to set us free. And there's a tactic of the enemy that says... It's too hard to read the Bible. It's too hard to understand. But see, it's the Word of God that is transforming. It's the Word of God that conforms us from a lifestyle of sin. It sets us free from fear and shame. There is a haunting that keeps us in a place of remaining the same. I said that you... You need to observe where you're at so that you can stop hanging around the pool with the people that are swimming in the kind of pool that you really don't want to be a part of. But once again, if I don't spend time in the Word of God to reveal who I am, it allows me to feel comfortable around those others. And the deception is to say that I need those people. That I need to do those things. That with those things I lose my identity I lose who I really am and it causes us to remain being a victim and remain being powerless when Jesus said that I've come that you would experience mercy and in that mercy is that you would find that help in time of need amen it's all in an attempt to make you forget what kind of person you are that's why the word of God is important The woman that was caught in the act of adultery, she received mercy. As I said, she came in contact with the mirror. The man, he ran from it. Number four, to identify with the circumstance is to create a false identity. If you're a child of God, if you've received Christ in your life, to identify with the shame, the circumstances, the past, it is to create a false identity. You see, we all make mistakes. But the enemy likes to sit on your shoulder and say, you know, you don't just make mistakes, you are a mistake. Right? When you fail, he doesn't just say, well, you failed that one. He says, no, you're a failure. You failed here, you failed there. If you've lied, it's not a matter of just making it right. He says, no, you're a liar. If you don't have money, it's not a matter of just, I'm I'm running short. He said, no, you're just flat, broken, poor. See, the enemy always takes it to the extreme to make you feel as though you're not worthy so that you identify with the shame. Does anybody remember the disciple called Peter? 
you realize that his name wasn't Peter to begin with. His name was Simon. Do you know what Simon meant? Flat nose. Something happened with birth, man. He, you know, mom dropped him or a doctor dropped him or something. But he got flat nose. So, I mean, just think about that. I mean, going around life, you know, hey, flat nose, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? And Jesus asked him a question. He says, who do, who do men say that I am? And he says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, Upon this rock, he said, upon this revelation that you have acknowledged that I am the one that brings the mercy and takes away the shame. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church, Peter, and you're going to help me build my church. And he says, in fact, I'm going to change your name from flat nose to rock. Amen. But did you remember the story of Peter that he also denied Jesus three times? Even got to the point where he denied her and started cussing. I don't know who the blankety blank is. Shut up and leave me alone. And then the rooster crowed. And in his shame and in his guilt and in his grief of what he did, those words of the master kept coming back. You're the rock. You're the rock. You're my rock, Peter. Come on, you're my rock. And he allowed that to become his identity rather than the shame of the mistake that he made. In Acts chapter 3, you see him turning it around and having the confidence and the boldness to be able to walk with the reality of who he was to where they came into the into the, uh, the courtyards where the gate beautiful was. And the Bible says that there was a man that was crippled and lame there. And he says he fixed his eyes on Peter as though he was going to receive from him. And Peter says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man began to leap and begin to shout and walked with them, praising and giving God glory. He could have said, I'm just that old flat nose that just let Jesus down. I denied him three times. But he stirred something up on the inside and says, that's not who I am. Jesus even said that I would deny him. He knew it was going to happen. But he still chose to call me his rock. So I'm rock. Amen. And what I have, I give you. Now get up and walk. Come on. Let's do this life together. I don't identify with my shame. You don't identify with your handicap anymore. Amen. Praise God. Why? Because Jesus has come to set us free. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, once again, he says, Come boldly into the presence of God to obtain mercy. That word mercy is kindness, goodwill towards us, or those that are miserable and afflicted. He wants to join with us and desires to help us. So if you're here this morning, and you have allowed yourself to carry the identification, the ghost stories and the hauntings of what was, what has happened, that has caused you to feel who you are or feel the way that you do, this morning is the, the time and the moment for you to say, I am a rock as well. I'm free. And I choose to receive the mercy of God this morning. Amen. Let's stand. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life